Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halastic, and I am co-founder of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions provides easy-to-set-up lines of credit for small businesses, and I will be your host for today's uh, Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Uh, if you are interested in learning more about your about a business line of credit for you, and I sincerely recommend that you would, I've over 25 years, I've almost always had a business line of credit. I, I remember the first time I came up with that idea, uh, well, that I needed a business line myself was when I almost missed payroll. And, uh, and I, I said I needed a backup plan. That was a long time ago. Uh, so please visit our website at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in financing solutions, creditline.com. Over the last 25 years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, including two companies on the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. I love learning from people with business experience. And today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Derek Champagne from The Artist Evolution. Uh, Derek is the CEO of Artist Evolution, a marketing firm that manages brands and, and campaigns in multiple industries, from startups to household names. He is the author of the best-selling book, Don't Buy a Duck, endorsed by Seth Godin. Champagne is also a nationally published, published musician who has made musical contributions to soundtracks of television shows on ABC, TV, uh, MTV, Bravo, Oxygen, and the E! Channel, amongst others. Derek, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Hey, Stephen, thank you so much. And we're not talking about this right now, but man, your intro talking about the line of credit, uh, I just wanted to say an amen during that. So thank you for sharing that. I love I love. Well, anybody message. who's been in business long enough knows that you got to you know, have financing is one of the, not just lines of credit, but business financing in general is one of the big article, uh, uh, obstacles that you have to tackle. It's just going to, you know, if you, if you're not going to be tackling that, then you're just not going to be growing your business. That's hundred percent. Maybe, maybe you can grow it from $500,000 to $750,000, but you're not going to go from $500,000 to 10 million. It's just not going to happen. And right. it's, you know, it's, I remember someone said this to me once they said, you know, learning about business financing is a landscape in itself that you're mm -hmm. going to have to learn the jargon and, and all of the nuances because everybody who hasn't gone to a bank, right? Not to belabor the point, anybody who hasn't gone to a bank, and this isn't about my company, it's just about business in general. They just, you just don't understand how hard it is to get a loan, a line of credit, or, you know, you think it's just like getting a mortgage. It's not. It's right. really challenging. So, uh, so yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, so, Derek, I, I'm, I'm excited about today's podcast before because before you and I got on, uh, we were talking a little bit about the topic that we wanted to cover. And when you told me a little bit more about marketing and your involvement in it, and you told me that you did 2,000 audits, I was like, whoa, someone who's done 2,000 marketing audits uh, – is going to be able to give us some generalities as to what uh, successful businesses do, what successful businesses don't do, right? And as, as a lot of my listeners know, is I mean, my 99% or 95% of my day is marketing. That's 
you know, that's mm. what I do. Right. So I, my job is to generate this, to have the systems in place that have clients coming to us. Right. That's what I do. Right. I'm not talking about sales calls. I'm talking about, you know, marketing. Um, so I'm a big believer that your business is going to have to do that to be successful. So, you know, when we, when we talked about the topic, which, which is again, what 2000 business marketing audits have taught me, and this is you, Derek, of course, um, you know, I am excited to hear what you have to say. So give me three things, uh, that you think that you have learned by doing all these business, uh, marketing audits. Yeah. Thanks, Stephen. First of all, what I like about this is it's not my just subjective opinion. It's from seeing all data. These, and, and what happened? There are actually five, but I'll, I'll give you three, but there's five. Give me five. Give me five. Five popped out. And here's the disappointing part, Stephen, is they're not earth shattering. And I wish they were because I would be so much cooler if they were, but they're not. They're fundamentals that are extremely important. And every time we went back, when there are all these commonalities that keep happening. In fact, in some in household brands, we had a client come to us earlier this year that is one of the biggest brands in the world. All of us have it on our computer right now, and they needed help with one of these categories. You would think they had it figured out. They're a well-oiled machine, and they were missing this one piece. We're like, sure enough, there it is. And so I'm going to share them with you, and they're simple, but man, dig in, dig in and challenge me on it, but I'll share them. So the five are, the number one is who am I? just a better understanding about what the brand is. And I don't want to get all talking about story brand and all those things, but just like a real clarity about here's who we are. Here's our position. And with real clarity, here's our product and service. Here's how it really stands out in the marketplace. Here's how we're different from our competitors. There's muddiness around that a lot. And you can't have that. If you're like everybody else, if you don't know who you are, then you really are having a, a challenge. I've heard you talk with some other guests, by the way, and I've listened to several episodes. Great show. Uh, the challenge around the brand. And at the end of the day, a brand really is what your target customer knows about you if they even want to have a chance to do business with you. So it's really that simple. Like, do you have something identifiable that you can put a stake in the ground in? Now, this is what we work with several companies that have gone through Series B, Series C. You know, they move fast. And, and sometimes those, there's a challenge for those companies because they haven't had to figure all that out. They had a greater idea. They had VC behind it. They move real fast. And then they're going back going, oh, wow, we've got one company that's a 200 something million dollar company in nine months. In nine months. How envious am I that they could do that? <laughs> I know we're talking to entrepreneurs who have, have grinded to get to a million. And congratulations. I've been there. I understand. And I've grinded to get to six million. Uh, but imagine going to 180, 200 million and you don't know who you are. And that's scary. And you've got money thrown behind you. So the number one is just really getting a clarity. And I've got tips on this, but getting a real clarity on who am I? Second one, who are they? Imagine that. See how simple these are? I mean, when we, this is what this company hires to do. We think we're talking to the right customer, but we're not sure. Like we're not connecting somehow. We're not identifying correctly. Or, or have you heard this? Uh, we're just having dissatisfaction around who we're bringing in. Our customers just seem to be, uh, they're just not great fit. And here's all this marketing and noise and people are writing blogs and doing podcasts. And they, some of your listeners, some of them probably maybe even have a, built a great little marketing team now and everybody's doing busy work. But then they're complaining about the types of customers that are coming in. Well, they haven't identified the who are they, but they keep doing it and they keep servicing them. And then, then so here's a flag I see when I'm doing an audit. If I see employee turnover, sometimes I go, okay, it's, 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 it's leadership or it could be it just might be. They don't go to this first. It could be they're bringing the wrong kind of customer in and they're fatiguing them. And the fatiguing is giving a, a, an odd friction workload that just is not the right alignment. HR is mad. Uh, invoicing is mad. 
the product's not satisfied, the widgets and gadgets aren't matching up properly. And we find that friction point sometimes is from the wrong customers coming in and just completely derailing this beautiful company. It's not the customer's fault. It's the company's fault. They're bringing the wrong product to this wrong customer. It's not the right fit. So, I mean, does that make sense? Oh, completely. Yeah. It's simple it, though. It's it so simple. Yeah. But here's the problem, Stephen. Oh, it gets so frustrating. We'll go in and look at a budget and, and you'll, and some companies are spending a lot on marketing and they're just, they keep going and they're just plugging away at it. I'm like, but you're talking to the wrong people. And they go, yeah, yeah. But they won't stop and fix it. Stop and fix it. In my book, I say it's a hundred, like 108 pages, something like that. I say, just, would you guys, if, if you have any confusion around your marketing right now, would you just pause you can read it on a plane ride. Just take a quick look at it. You might give me a bad review and say, it's simple. It's five things. But just read it and make sure you're not missing one of these five points. Because if you, and, then, and then if you are, just stop and fix that one point. It might, it might slow things down for two weeks. It might slow things down for two months. But then you're on the right trajectory of all the other challenges. Like you're limping along because you're, you're lifting the weight wrong on this side. It's hurting this part of your body. Fix that. And so I never recommend more spend on anything. I never recommend anything until we know that these points are correct. When these are dialed in, that's what we call the, the gaps in strategy and execution. When those gaps are all dialed in, we know that there's going to be a better chance for that marketing spend to be going in the right place. And we've seen companies go for years this way, years, and not have to fix it. Uh, the third one is having the right tools. This one might be the most frustrating one for me, Stephen, because it's the most easily fixable. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've seen even a big campaign where we go, where we looked at it and saw, oh, your bounce rate is high on the website. Like, you know this because you've got your system dialed in with marketing. But if your bounce rate is high on the website, that means you have a challenge. Either the wrong people are coming in or you're bringing people in and they're leaving real fast for some reason. And that's just one example. Like we, we had a company the other day that it was, it was schedule a consultation. And this is a high-end tech company. And you schedule, you press schedule consultation and it goes to a general contact form. You just spent how much to bring them there to lose them now? Like, why did you do that? You didn't connect the dots. Your tools are the are the connecting dots part of it. If your messaging is right. So I keep going back to a website because that one is one of the biggest offenders in today. And so on the tool side, fix your tools. Pause and fix your tools. Don't go to a trade show and lead people back to an outdated website. Don't bring a brochure that looks like junk, that doesn't really share good messaging with, with no incentive, no call to action. Stop and fix your tools. If there's anything along your customer journey where you're seeing that they might be bouncing out, fix those tools. Then go spend. That's the number one. That one, that one offends me. Stephen, because it's the easiest one to fix. Because I mean, how many companies are going, if I could just figure out how to grow. If I could just figure out, I'm at this threshold. I've been around for 10 years. I, you know, I've hit this maturity cycle in my business. I guess that's all there is to it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you've capped out. Maybe so. It happens. Is there a chance though that you're not fixing some things that can help you grow? So, so where are those gaps in, in your marketing tools? Uh, the next one is having a plan, having a marketing plan. Like without a plan, we don't know where we're going. I, there's so many companies that don't have a plan. And I'm not saying you have to build an 80-page customer research plan, but I'm saying, do you have a plan that we can look at and go, okay, so, so, so show me what you're doing. Show me, what, show me your marketing plan. Like, just show me your go-to market strategy. What, what are you doing? Okay, you can write on a piece of paper for me. That's fine. Let's, let's type it in one page on a Word document, but show me what you're doing. What are we measuring? Like, what, what does success look like? How are we backing into that? How do we even know what we're supposed to spend if we don't know what we're trying to get? And 
all this busy work happens. I just see so much busy work. And, and, and if time isn't our most important resource, I don't know what is. But when I when you look at a marketing department and see how much activity is happening, or if you see a company and they have this misguided activity, and then I hear things like, well, marketing doesn't work, or funnels don't work, or wh- whatever doesn't work. Okay, let's do a quick audit. Open the hood. You're probably right, but let's just open the hood and see what's happening. Okay, I do a podcast. You go and look. Oh, you did a podcast once four months ago, so you weren't consistent with it. Okay, right? You know it takes consistency. Yeah, I mean, you're, I share an example on podcasts when I first started doing one. I don't know if you've seen Seinfeld very often, but there's an episode where Kramer gets the Merv Griffin set out of the trash can, sets it up in his his apartment. That's what starting a podcast feels like. You feel like you're talking to no one. Your family's committing on what are you doing, right? And, and you're broadcasting to nobody yet, but you're consistent. You have a goal. You have a vision for it. Everything you're doing in your marketing should fit in that. You need to have it written down in a plan. Make it simple. I've got two-page templates. Use a two-page template. That's fine. Then the last one is execution. So who am I? Who are they? Are you using the right tools? Do you have a plan? And are you executing consistently? And that one is is really the one that we see fall short often. It's, It's quite an offender. And a lot of times offender, I know we're talking to a lot of smaller businesses right now. A lot of times, and so I'm going to blame management right now if you have a marketing team because I work with a lot of bruised marketing teams and marketing directors. I do. And they're wearing 50 hats. And if they're wearing 50 hats and one week they're supposed to be at a trade show, but then they're also supposed to be an SEO expert. And then on this side, they're also supposed to be designing graphic ads that are compelling. And over here, they're supposed to be doing, they're just, they're wearing so many hats that they're fatigued. And so not everything is being consistent and they're juggling. And if they're juggling 99 things, they don't know how to do a lot of them, then things are going to fall. So execution, but the caveat there is execution with a good support team that knows what they're doing, right? Yeah, you know, I, so I have a couple of thoughts that came as you were saying that, which I think is, you, you hit the nail on the head so much. And i tell you one of the things I learned early on in my career, and that was I actually had to stop reading business books <laughs> because I found that I would read another business book and I, God forbid my, t- when my, when I would get back from a conference, my team would go crazy because I'd come back with so many new ideas. Oh, yeah. Right. And I found I had to really, uh, I mean, I'm a very creative person and I found that I had to really focus on reading a book and really, really, really executing on that book. What, what was going on. And I, and I think that that's a big problem with a lot of smaller businesses is they, they don't fo- focus on those five fundamental things that you are talking about that I was, I was to say is over the next three years, just do this. Just focus on answering the questions to those five things, uh, the marketing things that you're, uh, you're talking about and implementing and, and executing on that. And just do that. Don't do anything. Don't, you know, read this other book about uh, advanced marketing or this other book about customer service or other. Because every every entrepreneur I know is e- extremely into learning, right? And and, it's and I fatiguing think it, on our team, Stephen. And yes. you know, if I can get off on a management thing for just a second, because you know we've dealt with that in our own agency. I'm the creative guy. You know, we hired a COO, and the first thing he told me this was dangerous. He said your job is to come up with 20 ideas a week, and I said that's it. 
right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm up early thinking of ideas all the time. Now, the, the difference, though, is those go into a safe place. So if you have some kind of operating system of how you manage your company, EOS, whatever it is, I'm not advocating one over the other, then the, then the, the creative, the visionary, the, the, this energy and in, in driver injector, which those things are important, and we do get some of that fuel. Yeah, there's overkill in reading because you can – but if you start coming up with different ideas every day in a huddle and, and your, your team's literally doing a yo-yo, which I see happen in client meetings all the time. We'll sit in with the client and, the, and the, the visionary will be on that call and we just see the whole team and they start to slink down. And this is all on Zoom. You start to see them sit lower, lower in their chair. You see them go on mute and you're just, you're actually just marginalizing your, your marketing driver by doing that. It's confusing. So having a safe place to put ideas where it's vetted through, you go, great, let's roll that through at, at, in fourth quarter. Uh, and, and so I'll usually put a discretionary column. If we have a wild, a wild visionary CEO and they, and they go, no, no, we go, great. Here's your, here's your discretionary crazy budget. Here's your kind of experiment budget, but it doesn't fit in here. We're going to test and incubate it over here if you, if you must. And a lot of us who are, a lot of people listening are, they can't help themselves, right? We got, we got to tinker a little bit. So, so that, that's the point though, is give it a safe place if you're going to do it, but you're, you are hundred percent right. Stick with the plan. We have an acronym that we coined called PETMAG. PETMAG. Plan, execute, track, measure, adjust, grow. You didn't hear emotion. You didn't hear new crazy ideas. It's make the plan, track it, measure it, adjust it, grow. Just yeah, I mean, uh, formulaic. Uh, yeah, the second thing that I, that I learned over that uh, 25 years plus uh, is uh, so it's there's two things. The first one is you got to have a strategic plan and it's got to be in writing. And, but what I learned is it should only be one page. And there's a very famous uh, uh, guy who is very, very known, well-known in the entrepreneur's circle because uh, he started, uh, he started uh, um, the entrepreneur organization. He was one of the founders of it. He started birthing a giants, which is another yeah. Uh, 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 sub uh, of it, and yeah. uh, his name is um, um, uh, oh my god, uh, Vern, Vern Harnish. Harnish. Vern yeah, Harnish. I've, right? been, I've talked with him and before. Yeah. Vern Harnish came up with an uh, uh, this idea of the one page strategic plan. Now, at one point, I would have a strategic plan that grew to five pages, and what I noticed was I couldn't. I couldn't execute it. I couldn't, I didn't stay, excuse me, on top of reading it. And when it was just one page, I typically I put up on my bulletin board and, and then I would have a note that would go off every month. Look at your strategic plan. Look at your strategic plan. And I would go to a coffee shop and for two hours on a Friday, once a month, I would go and look at my strategic plan update it, look at my KPIs, look at how we're doing. And, and, you know, I loved it. I, lo I really enjoyed doing that. It got me out of working in my business to working right. on my business, which is a famous Michael Gerber uh, concept. And, um, and so what I learned next was uh, from this one guy was who said that, um, and I've mentioned it a couple of times on other podcasts is that entrepreneurs are autodidactic. They are self-taught. Uh, and also another guy told me is he can present uh, how to do something to a, a, a bunch of 
business managers for big corporations. And the business managers will implement exactly what he told them to do. But then he says that same presentation to a bunch of business owners and they're tweaking it and they're changing it and they're using it so that it helps them. And so what I'm saying is take these five questions that you are talking about, put it on your one page strategic plan and have it right there in front of you. And, and you don't like, if you want to Google Vern Harnish's one page strategic plan, I would highly recommend it. Now, some of those things that you're talking about are, they might be on it. Uh, some of them might not. You might like the wording the way that Derek, uh, our listeners might like the way Derek put it better. So, you know, change Vern's because it is an Excel document. So it's editable. And so I would do that all the time. I would take his document and I would say, you know what? Ah, this part doesn't really, I don't really resonate with this, but with this I do. And I think that really made a difference in my discipline of being able to then execute on my business ideas and our, and our, and our team. And then this is the last part, Derek, and what you're saying is everybody in the company has to know it. Yeah. You, you, you right. really have to go, you know, uh, uh, unless it's a serious, you know, uh, private KPI that you have there, they should have, they, everybody should know you should have a meeting, you know, once a quarter, this is our strategic plan. How are we doing against it? You know, are, are we living our strategic plan? So, I mean, those are some recommendations that I, you know, would recommend to add to what you're saying, Derek. And I think you hit the nail right on the head. We try to make this business or any of our businesses more complicated than it needs to be. And, yeah, and the I'll more tell complicated you this- we make it, it's harder to have stakeholders buy in, right? It's, when, when you make it more, more difficult, it, first of all, it's because we have complex minds, right? Because we're the visionaries. But when you make it difficult and then when you keep changing things, it's hard for your stakeholders to buy in. And in order for you to hit scale, you must have buy-in from stakeholders. And that's your, your employees and your customers. And otherwise, yes. you're causing confusion and dissonance. And when you get an alignment around a simple mission, aggressive BHAG mission, but still uh, 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 digestible, your team can get behind you and really move mountains for you. Yeah, and I think I think you know, uh, I think you know, uh, Vern has done a lot of good things. Vern Harnish, and you know, he talks about huddles, which we used to do all the time. Now, yeah. the company I have right now is is rather small, so we don't need the huddles. But but uh, the small and employees they're not small in revenue but right. uh but the which is the the best business to have by the way um but uh, but uh but you know we did huddles i had my biggest company had 110 employees that was my biggest company right and we we would have huddles just so that we could ensure that everybody was on the same page which is what a huddles for right it's not for uh, discussing problems or addressing things. And what I've seen companies that, uh, that are, you know, you know, what's not sexy about business, but it is to me is great execution. Ideas is the fun thing. Yeah. That's what the problem, you, you know, but you, you, you can't just keep coming up with ideas. You have to be able to execute on them. And that's the thing. You Derek, nailed it, Stephen. You nailed it I, again. I mean, you know, creativity falls on the is, is on the, the the 
workshop floor if there's no execution. It means nothing. Everything else means nothing. It's worthless. Everything is worthless if you don't have consistent execution. You will, and, and if you don't, here's one of the values of consistent execution. Well, the obvious, uh, the, the football analogy, first down, first down, right? First down, second down, third ground, first down. You just keep hitting towards that end zone. I mean, that's, that's an obvious one. Most, most execution doesn't happen with a Hail Mary right into the end zone, a 90-yard pass. Most of it is first down, first down, get to the first down, get to the first down. And when your execution is consistent, you have better, second thing, better measurement. Now I'm at the 50-yard line. I can look them back and go, because we've been consistent with execution, I know that we started on the 20 and this team's on the 50. Now here's some adjustments we can make in the play to get to the, tw- the other 20-yard line faster and more effectively and beat our competition. But there's a formula there. And without consistency in execution, you can't even find where to measure. It, execution solves a lot of challenges because it helps you identify where adjustments need to be made. And you can't tell me that pivots and adjustments aren't necessary in a 2022 company. We have to be watching all the time. There's internal and now, wow, external factors all the time from technology to, you know, to natural disasters, to, you know, economy changes, world economy changes, you name it. There is a, there's a, there's some kind of factor that if it hasn't hit your business, it's going to at some point. So you've got to always know how to measure and how to make adjustments. It's critical. Actually, I think not just for survival, but to to thrive in your company. Tell me, I know you run mastermind groups and, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, what is a mastermind for those who don't know? How do you think it really helps a business owner um, or the teams? Um, you know, tell us a little bit about that. So, so I'm involved in two different types of masterminds and then I'll tell you the value. The reason I'm in it, Stephen, is because I personally tried it and it was a game changer for me. And I'll, I'll give you the reasons why. So I was a customer first. It wasn't like I had this idea, hey, let's do masterminds. I'm busy enough. But it was such a game changer in my life personally and professionally that I stuck with it. I've been in it for five over five years, enough so that a mastermind I was in, I ended up facilitating and teaching in it, 150 business leaders from five different countries, uh, and then started my own marketing mastermind because of the impact that it has. And, and here's how it helps a business owner or, and then I'll also tell you, or a C-suite leader. What it does is it gives you a place for accountability. And I'll tell you now, Stephen, I don't like accountability. I like making the decisions. Uh, I, I like calling the shots. But I also realize that there's a spot in me that if I can put accountability to this talent, right? I'm a stallion and I need to be, I need a corral of some kind. If I can have a mirror put up to me or some kind of accountability, I can actually be better. And so in the masterminds that I lead, there's weekly accountability. Uh, people come in with their marketing plans. They come in with their business objectives and go, here's what I'm trying to accomplish right now. Here's the ahas I have from this week. Uh, here's where I failed. Here's what I learned from it every single week. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what, here's what you need to hold me accountable to next week. Am I getting there? Am I getting there? And everyone can see each other's accountability. And you kind of build like this personal board of advisors. Uh, a small business relator, uh, owners can relate to this. Thank God for me that my wife grew up in a small business family because if it's still to this day. The conversation around the table, business comes up. You're driving on a date with your with your spouse, business comes up, right? It just, it pops up everywhere. And this is one nice way where you can kind of vet it through outside of your internal team. If you're working through some things, you can work through this kind of trusted board of personal advisors of sorts that are in the same, wearing the same shoes as you, non-competing industries. And they're just going, hey, you know, I have a challenge here. Does this make any sense? We had someone that was, was try- actually... One of the challenges we had last week, Stephen was around an LLC and we had someone that came in and they're trying to grow their business. They're in the DC area, great business, big company, and is trying to figure out how to 
get new customers. We dug a little bit, found out they don't actually want new customers. They do, but they don't because it's going to cost them month one of paying in advance for the products. And they've got to go get an extra LLC. For, they need more money, more funding for it. So here we are trying to solve a problem around growth and then realize, oh, wait, you need the, you need the money to even, to, if you get the customers to afford them in month one. There's a whole other challenge. We, we, he never would have uncovered that. He would have just sat there and tried to figure it out, maybe for five years, I don't know, or maybe just grew really slow. Hmm. And so it's about removing friction points, understanding that you can trust the people around you, coming with real-time intel. Well, you know, you'll start with, hey, what's a new tip or technology or trend right now? What do you have? What's working? What, you know, if someone comes in, I'm dealing with this HR challenge or, you know, I've got to go into these new marketplaces. Who has ideas? What do we do? And it's a, it's a real-time sharing uh, to get the best information that you can, moving fast, one hour a week. That's the value for me. Uh, that just really, and another thing is understanding consumer demands and changes. Like when you bring that many minds together who are that successful and busy all the time, and you can also be in their shoes for a few minutes. I can't tell you, th there's not a week that goes by for five years that I haven't recalled something I've heard from someone else's problem or success that I've been able to apply in my own world somehow, either to a client or to my own situation. Even when yeah, you don't I, expect it. I, I, I belong to uh, I'll quote unquote, a mastermind group for 25 years, the same group wow. with nine guys. And, uh, but mine goes through on the entrepreneur organization. And, yeah. uh, so, you know, the, the mastermind groups, uh, are facilitated by professional facilitators. Is that, is that correct? That's correct. See, that's nice. That, that is nice. Um, because, uh, you know, we are self managing our group and I, I've all, we've always thought, you know, you have to have such a huge commitment, the nine guys and being able to stick through the ups and downs of the group, uh, because it, it wavers sometimes up and down. And, uh, you know, we, we meet, uh, it, it used to be five hours once a month, every month. Mm -hmm. And again, the group's been together, uh, uh, seven of the key people have been together for 25 years. Um, right. and when we've had like five or six or seven people who have, you know, who came in and then are out and whatever. So, but you know, now we have nine people, but, uh, what, what's that, what's also, what's also a little different with this forum group has been fascinating in that in the beginning we were all young and we were all running our new businesses and, you know, we are all struggling and we're all dealing with all different problems, you know, employee problems and growing problems and financial problems and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, a lot of people in the group have really built multiple businesses just like me, every single one of them. Nobody has just built one or two companies. They've huh. built them. They've sold them. They've built them. They've closed them. They've built them. They've built other ones. It has been incredibly fascinating to, to watch huh. the career, the entrepreneurial career. We have people now who shockingly you know, sold their businesses, very successful, and now are working for big companies. Huh. And they love it. And that's – everybody thinks, oh, entrepreneurs would never do that. And these guys, right. two of them, love it. And, wow. and so it's been fascinating to watch each other's career. But on that note, too, um, the, what's been fascinating is I don't think we've talked about a business idea or a business issue in several years. Hmm. Because what happens is after you've run a business 
for 10, 15 years, you know what you're doing. Right. And so now it's all, you know, we went through this phase where everybody was talking about their kids. Now almost everybody's kids are in college or out of college. And now we're talking about retirement or we're talking about marriage, you know, and all these different changes. So it's, you know, the forum group is a little different and uh, then the mastermind group. I, th- I like the mastermind group because uh, it usually is, uh, I think it's, it's, there's a little more energy to it. Um, the, the forum group, you have to make a real uh, 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 commitment to stick it out. Because I there's, think there's real downs. value in both, and I and I, you know to have oh, a maybe you're right. 20, 25 years is incredible. Uh, you know, th- those are the ones that you can do life with in a different way. And and, and I'm a member of a group like that too, uh, where it's more about balance in different areas. We talk faith, we talk family, we talk, some business, and but it's more of a balance, and and that's enjoyable. And I think it's a real value to it because it kind of keeps a grounding, and it kind of gives you perspective all the way around about where just about where you fit in the world this time. You can't always talk to everybody like that. You guys have unique experiences that you've gone through together. It's yeah. not bragging when you tell war stories. You, 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 you're just part of that. The other group though is, is yeah, high energy. I facilitate mine and I keep it moving. That my goal is when you get out of there is that your head's spinning and your notebook's full and you are ready to go take on the day and you've, you are armed with a notebook of new, not new ideas like we talked about early on, but, but I've solved some problems and I'm ready to go. HR problem solved, this problem solved, this problem solved, and I got some new techniques, new tips to go share with the team as far as better automation, better execution. And that's really the yeah, goal of that one. Yeah, and you're right, because there's Mastermind didn't come out until, like, I I don't really remember hearing the term until 15, 20 years ago, or 15 years ago. Like, EO was the big thing. There's 15,000 members in EO. At least right. it used to be. Yep. Uh, it might be a lot bigger now. Um mm-hmm. But you're right. We have two guys in my EO group who belong to mastermind groups. So they, 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 they see the value in both. Um, so, but you know, it's interesting. So, so you talk about those five things, uh, that you mentioned in marketing, right? Um, what was amazing is when I started, I actually have, I've started seven companies. I've, I've just kind of, I, 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 I say six, because I kind of forgot that I had started seven and I've just gotten so used to it. I just said six. Awesome. But when we started and the last 10 years, uh, 11 years, I've had my uh, a business partner, whereas prior to that, I did not. Well, when my business partner and I spent three years doing angel funding together, um, you know, we we're just kind of looking at that space. Uh, we, we, uh, when we decided that we were going to start this, business, this one, the financing solutions business. And I have this other business called elite funeral funding. Um, it within, I, we got up to speed with everything like within a month because wow. we knew exactly what we needed to do. Right. And a lot of it, like going over those five questions was so intuitive to us. Right. It, it was like, oh yeah, we're going to start another business. Okay, well, who are our clients? Okay, well, who 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 are they? You know, so on and so forth. You know, all these. Are, how are we going to measure it? What's their KPIs? You know, what what are the tools we need? What accounting software packages? What type of you know accountant do we need? Okay, what type? How are we going to incorporate? Are we going to LLC? What are we C corp? S S? What are we going to do? It was like boom, 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 boom. Right? It was when I first started, you know. That took us three to four, that took me three, four, five years to kind of 
uh, understand. I'm telling you, Stephen, I, I share that all the time is that if you start with this, the good news when you start with this is you save up to five years of not just guesswork, but frustration and lost time and in the marketing market, dollars. depending on the industry and marketing dollars and, and yeah. frust- all these things. I mean, it, it confusing your team, confusing your audience. And so when you start that way, you're, you're getting five years ahead. Like to your point, you launched yeah. in a month. Yeah. Now you learned it over many years how to do that. Yeah. You and your partner, you're a well-oiled machine at that point. But you know those that are listening that haven't done that, get those skills. It, it'll apply to anything that you do as far as launching new companies. And, yeah, and, and just keep in mind like, the process and the revenue and the revenue went right with it. So like we right. got up to we got <laughs> up to five hundred thousand dollars in revenue per month in six months. So wow. it was you know we we got up to twenty million in three years. You know, I mean, we were just, you know, it was just now, and, and listen, revenue is, you know, it's, it depends on the industry. Well, someone says they have a 20 or $30 million sure. company depends on the industry. Right. right. So, um, but it, it, let me tell you, it's generate, it's, it's a very good business. This is a, the funeral funding business that we're involved with, but, and right. the financing solutions does extremely well too. But, um, but the net amount is, uh, you know, I think, you're right. I again. I think the my message to, for well, and I think Derek's message for today is um, implement less, <laughs> focus on those five questions. Uh, uh, really, really try to execute on that, and then you can start adding on to other ideas that you have. And, right. I, and I think that's really the main takeaway. I think the mastermind group is a fantastic idea. I really like it. I think Derek probably is a, a fantastic facilitator, uh, especially because of the amount of experience that he has. And I would highly recommend that you either join EO, an entrepreneur organization, yeah. or you look at you know the mastermind groups that Derek has and, and others. I think that it's a no-brainer that I am where I am today because of the people I surrounded myself with, and that was those groups. So mm. I totally and, agree. And I want to say, too, I love Vern Harnish. I, I've interviewed him. I've uh, we're we're doing any, his next scale up event. Our our business will be there doing something with that. I can't recommend Vernon EO enough. They yeah, did, he's great. Including the plan you recommended, just it's really practical. I mean, if someone understands scale, it, it's 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 Vern's group. They do a great job of focusing on on uh, maximizing what you have and, and and running lean and and getting to that scale mode that's consistent and repeatable. I agree. Yeah, unfortunately, that's all the time uh, we have today. I would like to thank so very much Derek Champagne from Artist Evolution for coming on today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. The pot, those uh, reviews really help us increase the viewership or listenership of the podcast. It's one of the algorithms that they use and the entrepreneur. Uh, MBA is listened to by thousands of people. It's really quite amazing. I started it four years ago because I thought it'd be fun. And now it's really turned into a great, uh, uh, you know, a lead generation source for us. Um, and if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit us at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in financing solutions, creditline.com. Eric, uh, Derek, I'm sorry. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, thank you. If if the mastermind concept sounds interesting, DerekChampagneMastermind.com, or uh, you're welcome to look at me up on LinkedIn. I'm I'm active there, so just look up Derek Champagne. Great. Uh, and I want to tell our listeners today too. You know, um, right now as as of this podcast, it's summertime, 
And, you know, one of the biggest mistakes, one of the reasons why I've been able to do this for 25 years is because I always took care, good care of myself. I always made sure my health was good. I always make sure that I was physically fit. You know, being in business is a hand-to-hand combat sport. And if you don't take good care of yourself, you're not going to make it. You're just not going to make it. And you're not going to be at your best. And so it's the summertime. Make sure you're taking some time for yourself. You don't need to be working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. If you are, I'm going to tell you from firsthand experience, you're not doing the right things. So uh, you might love your job, but your health is more important. So I would just recommend everybody take good care of yourself and get out there, smell the roses a little bit and go enjoy the nice weather. Certainly deserve it. And let me tell you, your employees will appreciate that too as well. Everybody have a fantastic day. 